Hi, welcome to the Mid-Market CFO Circle. I'm Madhurima, your host. And today I have with me Chris Argent. Uh, so today we are going to focus on talking about how collections uh, automation should look like in mid-market organizations at mid as mid-market CFOs offices plan for what they should be doing in 2023. At a time of uh, rising demand and collection side and decreasing ability on the payment side, mid-market companies need to keep cash flowing and business running. Collections teams within organizations that are in dire need of innovation that could improve the overall process efficiency and help optimize uh, working capital. So that's something that we would want to talk about a little today. And uh, transitioning from traditional methods of operations to a more data-driven, futuristic, scalable digital solutions is what we think is the for way forward for mid-market CFO's office. But I'd like to hear from Chris Argent on what his opinions are on this subject. And in order to get started with it, I'd like to welcome him to the show. Hi, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, very well and thanks for having me today very much looking forward to talking to you and all of your mid-market cfos it's very much an area uh, i focus on so looking forward to it absolutely thank you so much for your time now before we get started and though i would like to hear what your journey has been from yourself but uh, i'll quickly give an introduction about you to our listeners uh, so Chris is the founder and managing director of Generation CFO, a community for accounting and finance professionals. He's created an environment where professionals could access continuous and collaborative uh, learning and acquire real life skills. He has experience in transformation pro programs with leading corporations like Amazon, Vodafone, and John Lewis. And prior to that, he was also working as CFO at a mid-market company. He's currently strategic partner at ACCA, which is Associations, uh, Association of Chartered Certified Accountants. So on that note, I'd like to welcome you to show uh, and, you know, just hear from you what your background has been, how your career has progressed. So would you like to share some yeah. information on that? Thanks very much. It's quite nice to hear the highlights of my career in a couple of minutes. It, it sounds it sounds great. Yeah, my, my journey has been probably quite a traditional one. I started out as an accountant, worked my way up through the ranks and was very much part of core finance um, for a good 15, 20 years. Uh, but the last role that I had within um, the sort of core finance team that I talk about, it was a divisional CFO in a mid-market. Um, but there was a trigger point why I stopped doing that. Um, and it was that I discovered a fraud within the company, um, which I don't have time to go into today, but the fraud basically led me to kind of question a lot of the systems, a lot of the processes, a lot of the the tech that I had within um, the finance and accounting teams. And it really planted a seed for me um, all those years back, which was, I feel part of a problem here rather than the big solution to, you know, processing, transactional processing. So I went into finance transformation. I actually was like, look, I need to do something about this. And I worked, was lucky enough to work in companies that were investing heavily in, in finance transformation. Um, as you say, sort of John Lewis, which is a, a big UK retailer. Amazon is obviously everyone knows. Um, and Vodafone, which is a, again, a large telco, um, and went through all the sort of 
the processes within finance operations, but then started to specialize in BI and analytics and the sort of machine learning side of things. Um, so I've really kind of seen the capability um, in action. And I realized that there's so much for us to benefit in terms of new tech, um, not just in terms of avoiding frauds, which was obviously the seed to all this, um, but just in terms of you know improving our roles, you know, stepping out of this grind of, of transactional processing um, and really probably doing the job that we first thought we were training for um, rather than entering into a company as a very highly qualified admin assistant within an accounts team. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I promote what I what I do now via the community Gen CFO, um, which has grown you know, to almost 100,000 followers now um, online, where we've got lots of forward focused discussions, um, lots of, you know, we have these three A's that we talk about analytics, automation and agility, as well as the management of those three A's. And uh, yeah, that's, that, that's one of the key focuses for us at the moment, automation. And, you know, before we actually dive into the topic that we want to discuss today, I would really like to understand what that fraud was. And why did you feel that transformation could have helped you if, if if it was there in the first place to stop that fraud? I'm sure our listeners will be intrigued to know a little bit more about it. We can take a few minutes there. Um, the the short version is, <clears throat> I found a fraud, which was you know, well done, Chris. You found a fraud, um, but it unraveled into a very sort of significant, complex fraud perpetrated over four years going into the millions of pounds um, and it was um, perpetrated by the CFO. <laughs> so it was great. Well done, Chris. Um, but then you have to clear it up. So the one year of my life was really difficult. Um, I had to do my role as a divisional FC. I had to do the forensics to unpick everything. I then had to you know, present the cases of the global actions against um, you know the individual and try to recover the funds, so it was very 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 difficult year for me, um, and it was absolutely the catalyst to me thinking we've got to get out of this we've got to get out of poor systems we've got to be you know higher up on the list um, in terms of capital investment because. It not it's not just about you know avoiding a million pound fraud um, it's just about doing better and not feeling that you're you're putting up with poor process so um you know it's, it was a huge professional and personal driver for me to start looking into finance transformation and and what I do now with generation CFO and a lot of people ask me you know you've moved out of the corporate world and you're now doing this community thing you know why you could be on you know an amazing package leading transformation programs well this is the reason why you know I I feel so personally about how the technology the skill set, the people involved, the talent involved in this new world can benefit from it. And it all stems from really finding this transaction a long time ago, which ended up to be a bit of a nightmare. Thanks for sharing that story with us. Um, you know, I'm glad that you were able to figure it out. And though it was a little difficult, you did find your way through it. 
uh, and a commendable job there, Chris. Now, you know, just to understand a little more about the topic that I wanted to discuss today, you know, today's CFOs are already planning for, you know, managing risk around numerous issues that the world's facing today. And while all of this, while they are planning for uh, paths towards growth. So what do you think will impede or assist with the growth of uh, mid-market companies in the coming years? From a macro point of view, we're living in a very complex world at the moment and complexity, you know, is going to impede business growth. It's going to Im impede, you know, forecasting. It's going to impede supply chains, people's ability to to, to pay. Um, and it's a very, very uncertain time for a lot of people. So I think trying to get any level of clarity, visibility, insight um, from, you know, your working activities, from your business is, is paramount. Um, and I think visibility um, is, is something that's kind of, and agility is kind of part of the solution to that. And we don't necessarily have it within accounting and finance. Um, a lot of our transactional processing can be quite opaque. Um, and if someone comes to you and starts asking you tough questions about when's the cash come in or when can you close or, you know, what sort of credit exposure we have, people don't don't know. <laughs> and if you're running a business um, in this environment, you really you really need to know. And um, what, according to you uh, or in your experience, has been the most critical challenge for growing CFOs offices that are looking to collect a large volume of uh, invoices, let's say manually? Um, well, there were so many examples in during the pandemic, you know, when um, it, it, there was this phrase going around, and I'm sure people have heard it, that we accelerated five years in one because of the pandemic and the lockdown. And what, what people mean by that is we it's really hard to make change. It's really hard to transform things, transactional processing, whether it's a volume of, you know, collections or it's volume of invoices, whatever. And, you know, it changes hard because you've got to try and force it to the top of the list somehow. And it's, it's hard to create this sort of burning platform, this priority around it, because there's almost an assumption, you know, if things aren't that bad, you know, if it's good enough, then we don't need to worry about, you know, investing in these areas, but but we're massively underinvested, I'd say, in accounting and finance. Um, and you know, I'm based in the UK. I think UK generally is massively underinvested as well compared to other regions. So you know, we have to start sort of looking at this as a complex issue. Um, and the pandemic showed us that we can actually accelerate. And I would say one of the biggest challenges isn't about the paper. It's not about technology even you know it's there it's about people's attitudes towards it um, and I think people get that they need to change right now I think the messaging has been there long enough you know Gen Z have been talking about this for 10 years um, people get that they have to change and there's talk about you know future focused work and analytics and the future you know CFO being the chief future officer but we still need to see action, you know, and that comes with mindset and risk and, and budget, you know, coming through. And I think a lot of mid-market companies, you know, they're, they're, they're just too busy and, and, and maybe not skilled enough in that area because this isn't a natural sort of learning for people. Um, a mid-market CFO may be responsible for the IT budget and IT, but they're not formally trained in that. That's not what they're trained in. So there's not a natural aversion to getting this stuff done. 
Um, but I think that is changing. And, you know, you touched upon how much budgets are uh, allocated towards financial departments in an organization, you know, that CFO is managing. But do you think that often more stress is given to the cost of implementing or transforming a function with regards to, you know, not giving the same amount of weightage to the value that the transformation brings in to the organization? Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. I think most people who get transformation, you know, if I'm a CFO and I'm looking to change something, I get that there's a value case as well as there's a cost. You know, I I, I think most people would be aware of, you know, the, the value equ equation. You know, it's not just about license costs coming down. It's not just about head cut headcount coming down it's about the quality of data that we have it's about the quality of processing it's about the ability to automate you know it's the shifting of the headcount to you know forecasting and management of what we do rather than you know just getting rid of a headcount so i think most people understand that but again what we don't have is necessarily you know the skills to create this intangible business case this intangible asset business case you know what is the value of data what is the value of an automation um you know what is the value of doing a one bit of transformation you know which then enables some another bit of transformation and we need to start thinking more innovatively about this. You know, it's not just about cost versus value. It's also about the next step in an innovation journey. If I automate, you know, O to C, uh, order to cash or treasury or record to report, if I automate that part, does it mean that I have data that I can use for another automation or another um, transformation project? So I think there's, you know, there's there's a sort of innovation mindset that we need as well as just looking at the value. Absolutely. And, um, you know, let's say if, uh, you know, we could grant CFOs a wish uh, to have, uh, you know, let's say order to cash automated for them from scratch without any glitches that might exist today. So for such CFOs who are looking to do that, what would be your go-to recipe? In short, it would be leaning on the best technology, right? And you haven't paid me to say that. <laughs> Let's <Yeah>. be clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, people are the blocker to a lot of transformation. Yeah. So if I have one dream, you know, action on this, it's for people to start investing and engaging with the technology because there's so much value to be had from it. And you know, as part of Gen CFO and my work with the ACCA and AAT, you know, we're even arguing that accounting and finance or part of accounting and finance should even be a STEM subject right now. So in science technology subject, because there's so much, you know, so much advanced work we could be doing in terms of automation and machine learning, all the rest of it. Um, now, that's not saying that there isn't an accounting profession. There is, but there's this sort of supplementary side to what we do. Um, and we've seen it happening in the marketing space, right? You know, we don't just push bits of paper through doors now. We have a whole digital marketing world. And I think the same thing can apply here. So we really need to take it seriously as leaders to empower these sort of finance, um, digital finance functions, which is what we call it, uh, which is a new set of skills, a new set of thoughts, you know, a new set of processes. Um, that would be my real, my dream Good to know that. 
All right. So the other thing that I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, stress upon or, you know, get your opinion on is how, uh, let's say, we can leverage uh, artificial intelligence powered tools for, you know, maybe effective collections and how important are those AI driven analytics uh, for a mid-market business, in your opinion? They're, they're, they're massively important. Um, so, you know, mid-market a classic mid-market problem in, in O2C may be, say, reconciliations, right? So, you know, you've got all of these payments coming in, you've got all of these invoices that need to be sort of reconciled. Um, if you have any level of volume there, it's a manual task normally. You know, your allocations are done, credit controllers are looking at it, um, you know, treasury teams are trying to understand cash flows. It's, it's a complex world. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's been proved that machine learning and, and AI is brilliant at that task, you know, absolutely nails reconciliation. And it's just one of many applications in the O2C side, whether it's, you know, managing sort of discounts and deductions or whether there's sort of, I don't know, disputes that need to be managed. What you're, what you're doing is you're trying to sort of make sure that the humans are focused on the stuff that really needs to be worked on and the say the reconciliations and more of the transactional processing is being worked on through automation mm -hmm. um, and that and like i said that's leaning heavily on the technology and um, but the technology is there and before we even get to you know o to c there's obviously account reconciliations or financial close that also benefits and then you know helps us understand financial position the treasury guys in mid-markets, you know, if there is a treasury person, we'll be asking, you know, where's the cash? Mm -hmm. You know, if we're working in foreign currency, mm -hmm. you know, how much money am I have I got to hedge or how many, how much money do I need to hedge against? Now, if you have this very opaque kind of world in O2C, it's very difficult for you to forecast and to hedge properly. So there's there's so much that can be done. Um but you you need to lean on the automation to free up the human to you know we talk about working on value mm -hmm. um but also to create the transparency which is coming full circle right one of the biggest problems at the moment is that we don't really see what's happening in the business and we need to create that transparency mm -hmm. and chris in your opinion how can an effective collections strategy help you to forecast your cash better and are CFOs already kind of looking at both the things together? Or do you think that the two processes right now are disparately, you know, placed in organization? I, I'd say they're definitely siloed um, mm. at the moment. I think most people would see, you know, forecasting as part of an FP&A function. Um, you know, you might have your financial modelers within your FP&A function, your financial planning and analysis function or a management accountants team, uh, depending on the size of your company, you might have a treasury person who's also just focused on cash forecasting. But that's a really complex model. Mm -hmm. One of the major inputs into that is obviously going to be your money in from you know, A to C. So I think one of the key things with when you shift towards this sort of more automation environment is that you look at everything end to end, stop looking at it as a silo, but looking at it as, you know, a process all the way from start to finish, from order to cash to forecast. And then you just, you're using the same data throughout. 
rather than it being, you know, passing the cache data into a forecast model and then someone else starts to forecast against it, try and see it as a as a sort of linear process, which is not, but linear process, and everyone's just benefiting from the overall automation. Um, but try to move away from that siloed approach. Um, but that's, you know, that is difficult because we have such a structure within finance, which everyone gets and kind of likes in FP&A doing their FP&A bit. Um, actually, why not move your cash forecasting into O2C? Mm -hmm. You know, they might be able to do a much better job if you put a modeler in with O2C. Um, just as we've said, put a, a finance business person in the business because that will help you, you know, business plan and forecast, enabling business. You know, you could put the, the modeler within O2C mm -hmm. um, to, to create the forecasts. So, but it, you know, it's it's all very doable. I think you just need to have a bit of an open mind and it and obviously match your requirements as an organization. And, um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to touch upon when it comes to making collections uh, as an operation more efficient is uh, being able to accept different mode of payments. So when it comes to UK, what do you feel or what have you seen being one of the most uh, accepted methods of payments? And where should uh, CFO's office be heading in, let's say, 2023 for that? Well, we're seeing, you know, everything's moving electronically, right? There's there's absolutely this, you know, we're not moving away against a cashless economy, but obviously in terms of payments, everything is coming through online now. Um, I think that kind of goes without saying, but you could be within a retail environment where you are considering to move away from cash. Um, so I, I do think there is another opportunity or benefit here where you could start saying, look, even as a retailer, you know, we are moving away from cash. So what, is, what does that do in terms of collections? Well, it means that you have everything there immediately for your processing, your reconciliation, the data that you need for forecasting. It sort of enables everything that we're talking about. It also reduces the manual load on the cash collections. You know, in very practical terms, you're not counting it up. You're not taking it to the bank. You're not wasting time. You're not having to pay for security or whatever to collect things. So in terms of sort of payments, at the very other end of the scale, you know, there's a lot of talk about cryptocurrency starting to come in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am aware of accountants who are now being asked to sort of reconcile um, cryptocurrency. Now, speaking as Chris Argent, you know, I think the jury's massively out on that. I still don't, um, you know, fully, I, I, I understand blockchain and I understand what a Bitcoin is or the, the currency is, but I still um, have a massive question mark over whether that is actually the future of, you know, collections or, or a part of O2C um, simply because there seems to be more of a liability to it than an asset as a currency at the moment. Um, but people are looking, you know, at the very other end of the spectrum at that sort of thing. So, you know, that being said, uh, the other area that I wanted to touch upon is when, uh, you know, mid-market companies are growing geographically, right? So they are expanding. Um, how should, what according to you is the most uh, effective approach or efficient approach to collections in such scenarios? Yes. Well, you, you, you need a sort of seamless system in place. You know, mm -hmm. there's that you're, 
you know, there's an adage with growth and automation um, that, you know, you've got to fix the wheel before you get it to spin faster. Yeah. You've got to fix the wheel before you put three or four on or start going from a car to a lorry. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you have to go back. So you are, you absolutely need to bring in, you know, best practice and a decent system that fits your future growth. Yeah. If you are currently sort of thinking, yeah, we've, we've got a OTC process and system and team that has worked for three, four years and we're set for expansion or set for new currencies coming through, then you've, you've got to go and revisit that because it's going to be very different. You know, even in three years, the, the whole product market's changed. Um, in three years, people's appetites, as I said, for Bitcoin or cash has changed. So you need to go back and have a look and make sure that you've got, you know, seamless process that's working on, um, you know, a, a great system with the right talent who are ready to respond. Yeah, because they're going to have to be much more agile in their approach in growth versus probably how they have been working for the last two, three years, you know, in maybe a sort, sort of more, more level market. Um, and as you start to move, you know, globally, I don't think there's any question now about cloud and, and cloud approach. Um, I rarely talk about cloud now, but it is actually to still need to be talked about because some people do want on-prem systems. But I think as you start to sort of move globally or, or outside your region, um, you know, there's a lot to look at in that area. But I would say, you know, obviously a cloud solution is the way to go as well. Great. So thank you so much for sharing your opinion on CFO Circle today. And I hope this was an interesting conversation for you, Chris. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you so much for taking your time uh, for this conversation. So uh, all our listeners out there, I hope this was an interesting conversation for you. And we will be back with more conversations every Thursday. So please stay tuned.